Welcome to the Volpe Report podcast, the state's premier public affairs show dedicated to the topics that matter most to Pennsylvanians. I'm your host, Chuck Volpe. Join us now as we speak to this week's guest. The following half-hour show is a paid political program and is not endorsed by this station, management, or staff. The following program is sponsored by Excalibur Insurance Management Services. This is the Volpe Report, a weekly news and political interview show examining the latest local, state, and national issues with Chuck Volpe. Insightful, informative, controversial, the area's premier political talk show, The Volpe Report. Welcome back to part two, uh, uh, again, a two-part special in The Volpe Report. We are fortunate to have in studio today uh, Bill McSwain, a former United States prosecutor in one of the largest federal uh, jurisdictions in the country, and uh, which included Philadelphia. So his, his, his insight into crime in Philadelphia, you've heard my views on they set records for murder two years ago. But we're back here on part two, and Bill, uh, we're going to cover a bunch of subjects, but kind of where we left off, and we're going to start with that before we get into some of the other things. Uh, again, to quote Michael Schellenberger, how progressives ruin cities. Uh, we'll talk a little bit around the country, but but specifically your knowledge of what's going on because you live there in Philadelphia uh, with the uh, Krasner and, and what he's done in Philadelphia. Let's talk about that aspect and how bad it is in Philadelphia. I mean, off air, we talked about, you know, you know, everybody probably in Pennsylvania is very familiar with Wawa's. I've, you know, I, you know, that was a substantial part of my diet for, for many years, both as a candidate and, and traveling back and forth through the Philadelphia area. And that Wawa's are leaving Philadelphia. I, I don't know what that's like a bucket of cold ice water getting dumped on 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 society effectively. So your comments on some of that about how Philadelphia is dangerous. Yeah, there's a tendency for their progressive media, the liberal media, to paint this as overwrought Republican, you know, uh, hysteria. But it's real. So talk about that. It is real. And it started with District Attorney Krasner coming in about uh, four and a half years ago. He was the beginning of these progressive prosecutors that have been elected a lot of different urban areas around the country. And Philadelphia, like other areas of the country, was engaged in this, what I'll call a radical experiment about criminal justice reform. And now we can look at the data. We can see whether the experiment has succeeded or whether it's failed. And all the data around the country, including Philadelphia, shows clearly that it has failed. You see record homicide rates. You see record carjacking rates. You see increase in violent crime in general. You see the low-level things like retail theft that we were talking about, where Krasner essentially has a policy he does have a policy. It's a written policy. He's not going to prosecute theft under $500. That is an open invitation for the Wawa's of the world to get robbed blind. And that's what we've seen. And so Wawa is leaving Philadelphia. And a lot of businesses are leaving Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia is not safe right now. And that needs to be the priority of the next mayor of Philadelphia is public safety. It's a big issue in the campaign. It also needs to be the priority of the next attorney general of Pennsylvania, where Philadelphia and the whole rest of the state, public safety needs to be job number one of the attorney general. And there's a lot that can be done. There's a lot of improvements that can be made. And everybody, no matter where you live, no matter what your zip code is, 
deserves to live in a safe neighborhood. That was the the ethos that I live by as U.S. attorney. Um, and a lot of times you would see with the increase in crime that you would see that, that the folks who are the victims of crime are disproportionately minorities, racial minorities. And so um, a lot of these areas of Philadelphia, the progressives will say, well, they're over-policed. In my opinion, they're actually under-policed because we need to get the crime down in those areas. You need to make sure that no matter what your zip code was, that you live in a safe neighborhood. Because if you if you don't have public safety, you can't thrive. You can't you can't succeed in school. You can't succeed in, in business. You can't succeed in your neighborhood if you're worried about getting shot in the head. So um, we have seen that the progressive prosecutor model has failed, and um, and and that's something a less a hard lesson that we've learned. Well. He, to pick right up there, you talked about Philly from personal experience and as a federal prosecutor in that region. Pick pick one. Let's talk about the CHOP zone, you remember, in Seattle, uh, where the news didn't report that two African-American children were murdered with guns. Didn't report it. We hear stories about the protest. This goes back to the George Floyd protests in the summer of 2020. They were, quote, mostly peaceful. That's a lie. You know, people were murdered. The police officers were murdered. Two billion of property damage was done. And ironically, not to get off topic, but I just did another editorial view, how science was perverted. Quote, the Democratic progressives were following the science. Remember all the lockdowns, of course, and all that, the double standard? Well, well, apparently those same scientists that were saying you could not attend a loved one's final moments you cannot attend their funeral. It was done by Zoom. You cannot go to a place of worship. If you happen to be going to a social justice protest that summer, they gave a green light to that because the health effects of that outweighed the transmission of the virus. I, I, I can't even make it up like that that really happened. Well, first of all, going back to your example of Seattle, imagine a situation where you have an autonomous zone where no police are allowed nobody enforcing public safety, and you're going to have a, a section of the city just sectioned off where anything goes. What could go wrong, right? What could possibly go wrong? Okay, so that was a disaster. Um, police are the people that keep citizens safe. They need to be there doing their jobs, and they need to be supported. When it came to the social justice protests, I was very clear as U.S. attorney. I said, peaceful protest is the American way. That's fine. If you want to have peaceful protests, Go ahead and, and do it, but you can't burn cop cars, okay? You can't uh, engage in violence. You can't burn stores down. And if you're doing that, you're actually endangering all the people that might be around that vehicle or, or people that are around that store, and you are going to be prosecuted. And we took a very hard line against those folks because not only are they endangering the, the, the people in the city, but they were actually endangering the protests too. Right, giving giving peaceful protesters a, a bad name. So, we were very aggressive in prosecuting those cases. We stood up very loudly for the rule of law. It was a big contrast with the district attorney Larry Krasner, who did nothing to push back on that illegal behavior. And thank thank goodness we had the federal authorities who did something about it. No no question about. It. Another quick uh, example I did of you one, Waukesha, Wisconsin. Daryl Brooks, I called a miscreant. Here's a guy who had an arm's length criminal record 
course, his crime of infamy was of murder, that he, in his SUV, ran down in a parade, killing women and children and uh, uh, adults and men included, and boys and all that, killed innocent people, ran them over with his SUV. Now, here's a guy who was walking the streets because there's no bail requirement, immediately release. In fact, here's the most disgusting stat of all, that, again, a progressive Democrat district attorney in that, in that area, uh, a year prior to his murder of all these innocent people running them over in a parade, he had attempted to run over his girlfriend with an SUV. So this was some psychotic, criminal, evil concept. That, and he, he got immediately released from that attempted murder and then murdered. That's the progressive Democratic view of crime. These radical, progressive criminal justice policies have consequences. That's something that we've learned over the last few years. And one of the things that I did as U.S. attorney in Philadelphia was I actually tracked. I looked at the homicides in Philadelphia and said, okay, who's committing these homicides? What is their criminal record? Are they people that should have been in prison? And what I found is it's very easy to connect the dots. Hundreds of the homicides that are occurring in Philadelphia and occurred when I was U.S. attorney are committed by people that should have been in jail. And they weren't in jail because of the bail policies that D.A. Krasner was pursuing or because of the short sentences that he was advocating for when they had committed other crimes or that he wasn't, this is a big one, he wasn't pursuing probation violations. You would just get a slap on the wrist or nothing when you're committing a, another crime or you're uh, violating the conditions of your probation or your parole. So almost all of these homicides are being committed by repeat offenders. And a lot of those repeat offenders should have been in jail. And that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy when that happens once. What if it happens hundreds of times every year? I mean, that, that's, that's something that we need to fix because we know that these policies lead to death and destruction. Well said. All right, changing up course now, uh, we want to talk a little bit, to re revisit another aspect of the Trump indictment. And that is this. We now have, we'll call it the Jordan Committee. Congressman Jim Jordan paneled a committee uh, to investigate the conduct of District Attorney Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, the Democratic Progressive District Attorney. Uh, I understand, like, like they're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer money was spent on these investigations of Trump. That was obviously, that's one issue. But about the weaponization that we had talked about. Now, the issue presently that we're dealing with is subpoenas have been issued, federal subpoenas. Uh, the district attorney, Bragg of Manhattan, is in court fighting those uh, to have them quashed. That, that It's interfering with the independent prosecutorial discretion of the district attorney. Your comment on that? Well, as a former prosecutor, I, I do have a sense of, of being protective of prosecutors' offices. And I certainly wouldn't want um, people snooping around my office or issuing subpoenas about my investigation. So my initial reaction is that's something that we need to be careful about. But the reason that there's mistrust of that office, of Alvin Bragg's office in Manhattan, is because it isn't clear that he's operating in good faith. If you're operating in good faith then politicians should stay out of the way of prosecutors and let them do their job. If they're not operating in good faith, then there is the sense of there should be some oversight. And we talked a little bit on the last show about how you know, Alvin Bragg campaigned on going after Trump 
as a prosecutor, you shouldn't be going after people. You should be going after crimes. You should not be targeting people. And also he campaigned on reducing felonies to misdemeanors. And here he's, he's juiced up misdemeanors to felonies. These, these cases, these counts he's brought having to do with the falsification of records are normally misdemeanors, but he's juiced it up because it's Trump. So that causes people to be distrustful. And I think that's why Congressman Jordan and his committee are, are doing the things that they're doing. Now, fortunately, we have a court system. That's where we decide our disputes in America and is one of the best, if not the best thing about our country and why I feel so strongly about the importance of the rule of law. Both sides get to present their arguments. We don't, we don't decide these, these disputes in the street with our fists. They get to present their arguments to the judge and the judge will determine whether the subpoenas that have been issued are appropriate or not. Now, another kind of uh, issue about this case, not that it's unprecedented, I had criminal defendants I used to represent, including in federal proceedings. But it seems like with the, all of the attention right now, apparently the uh, preliminary hearing is going to be pushed all the way back till December. That's not unprecedented, and you have experience and can talk, and I want you to talk to that. It seems like a long time to wait, all the way till December, and your thoughts about that. Well, you're right. The, the probable cause standard is the 50-plus standard. The prize at preliminary hearings, arrests, that sort of thing. And then at trial, you have the proof beyond a reasonable doubt that much higher. Um, criminal cases sometimes take a long time, whether it's state or federal. Federal, they even take longer, typically, than state cases, because the state cases sometimes are not as complex as the federal cases. This is a complex case in the sense that it's a lot of counts and it's the president and there's lots of scrutiny on it. So I really can't comment exactly when they should be holding the various hearings, but it is a concern that it's getting close to the 24 election. And how is it going to affect that election? Is is it going to be wrapped up before then? Are, are, is the government or even President Trump and his lawyers going to want to delay it? We'll just have to, to wait and see. But no matter how you look at it, it's basically just throwing a grenade into the middle of the 2024 presidential election. No. And that may be have been the intent. Uh, of, we, we understand it, it, there was a time really and forever that that would not be something we would ever be talking about on television. It, it really is amazing that in 2023 that we have weaponized the justice system in this country along ideological lines. Science has been perverted, perverted along ideological lines. I've done views on that. Again, we're here today with uh, former United States Attorney uh, Bill McSwain, former gubernatorial candidate in the Republican uh, primary, Bill McSwain. Uh, we're going to come back and finish up with him, but right now we're going to take a break for uh, a, a view that I did recently. While President Joe Biden formally signed legislation recently, to end the national COVID-19 emergency that claimed the lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans. We are far from being out of the woods just yet. The collateral damage from COVID-19 in Pennsylvania can still be felt. Government money doled out to citizens literally put too much money into the economy, causing record high inflation and resulted in nine consecutive interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve Board. Also, a historic number of businesses were lost in Pennsylvania due to former Democratic Governor Tom Wolf's illegal and unconstitutional lockdowns. Making matters worse, the aforesaid interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve are making it difficult, if not impossible, for longtime small business owners to borrow the money they need to keep their businesses afloat. 
In the wake of two recent bank failures, financial institutions are playing their cards close to their vests as far as lending money, even to people who have been customers of the banks for years. Borrowing money is nothing new to small businesses. For many, companies wait sometimes as long as three months for their vendors to submit payments. Obtaining short-term loans is the lifeblood of many of these businesses. Are we headed directly to a recession? The jury is still out on that one, but worth watching. Kevin O'Leary, investor analysis and host of the Shark Tank, went so far recently to suggest that the Fed skip a rate hike at its next meeting, something that no doubt will be driven by key economic indicators, none of which appear ready to inch downward. O'Leary also said that many of the small community banks, which are paying high interest, are going to disappear. Many small banks are not going to be around in 24 months, O'Leary has said. Let's hope he's wrong. Welcome back uh, to our final segment in what's been a two-part uh, special uh, with former federal prosecutor Bill McSwain, again, former gubernatorial candidate, and possibly next year uh, candidate for attorney general of Pennsylvania. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Volpe Report podcast. Be sure to visit our YouTube and Facebook pages for upcoming episodes. You can catch up on the Volpe Report podcast on your favorite podcast provider.